1: This is uh, a little bit different than where we normally are, but uh, not, not all the time. But this one's different. Um, I almost, I told Julie, I almost feel bad for some of you that may be attending for the first time or uh, have been gone a little bit and wondering what in the world is going on. But then <clears throat> I changed my tune just now because I'm not really, I don't really feel bad because what you're experiencing right now is what church is really supposed to be like because we just don't do church, we're family, we're connected, um, uh, so, but I probably do need to explain a little bit for some, I, I even found out right before service, some don't even know what's going on, uh, because they may not be on Facebook or whatever, but, uh, one of our own, uh, uh, in fact, uh, I went back and had Teresa look and, because uh, I thought I, I knew, but I wanted to check first, um. They've been with us from the very beginning. First public service we ever had, August the 26th. They were with us, 2007. <coughs> it's an odd story how we connected. <laughs> uh, we were—I dri- was driving down I-40, uh, going fast. <coughs> I want—never <laughs> mind. Uh, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, I, I probably hadn't repented for that one, so I wanted to make sure it was right. But I think I passed you. Uh, and I had a big uh, sticker on the back of my truck that took up the whole tailgate that said Passion Church at the time, all that. And Tari and Amy were driving normal uh, behind me and saw that and called the number. It was my cell phone. And they asked me questions about it. We hadn't even really started. We'd done three preview services at that point, uh, two preview services at that point. And uh, they called and asked me what it was all about. And did we discover while we were on the phone that we'd both been in Greenville? I can't remember the service. Yeah. And so there was a connection there, and they've been with us ever since. And uh, so they're one of our founding members. They've been on our leadership team. They've led our pods. They've been on the worship team. And uh, Amy went home to be with Jesus uh, Thursday morning after uh, an automobile accident. And so uh, that's what's going on. Um, And she, you say, what's that all about? Well, she's been crowned. Um, I almost um, <clears throat> I almost took some liberties I decided not to because nobody didn't understand the way I think which is not unusual but uh, <coughs> I almost wanted to in praise and worship to go and take the crown and set it on the floor because I know what Amy would do with her crown because she was a worshiper and uh, so we're we are saddened and hurt and I don't understand his ways but that's okay I trust him. I've asked Tari. um, uh, I tried to give him an out, and he wouldn't take it. I said he could write it. Um, But he's going to come, and he's going to address you for a moment. And then I'm going to change gears from where we were last week, all right? So, Tari, if you'll come on. and and Ashley. I almost did it too, Ashley. I called you Amy to start with (laughs)
0: God is good, is he not? I um, I was actually going to speak on, not speak, but mention something. Um, but I saw a post that uh, Pastor Julian posted, and I'll just read it. The deepest level of worship is praising God in spite of the pain. Thanking God during the trials. Trusting him when we're tempted. To lose hope in loving him when he seems so distant and far away. At my lowest, God is my hope. At my darkest, God is my light. (laughs) At my weakest, God is my strength. At my saddest, God is my comforter. The reason I decided to read that instead is because that was Amy every single day. Regardless of her pain. Regardless of what she was going through, she still decided to trust him. You've seen posts on her Facebook. She was raw. She was truthful. But yet and still, at the end, she did what? She gave God the glory. That was the essence of who she was a year ago almost Not today, but last week, I stood up here and I spoke on, will you sing in the rain? Little did I know that a year later, I'll be reading over that again and still applying that to my life, but in a different way. Amy sang in the rain constantly. She sang in the rain on a daily basis. That's how Amy lived her life, regardless of how she felt. She praised him, and you saw her do it. So I'll leave you with just this. There's always something in a name. A name can define a person. It can tell a story of who they should be, mold and shape someone in a way God created them. But there are times that the roles are reversed, and when the name does not define a person, but the person brings the name to life, becoming living proof that God knew us before we were even formed. Enter Amy, beloved of the Lord, musically gifted, the one who is strengthened by encouragement, the one that is good-natured, friendly, approachable, and generous. Amy embodied every single one of these attributes. She was approachable in all situations. She was generous with disregard for herself. Her friendship with you was more than just a word. It was a bond that truly represented the love of Jesus. Amy's legacy will continue to live on in the lives of the ones that had the privilege to encounter her. I know that God's peace will live strong in all of us as we remember Amy. Generous, friendly, and beloved of the Lord.
1: As many of you know, last week we started a series called The Blessed Life. It's a video series that we are watching together. On uh, Monday, uh, Woody and I were here around the church doing some work, and uh, something came up that I knew was going to be pretty uh, labor-intensive on Tuesday for him because he's got skills I don't have, like fixing stuff. And... uh And uh, and so I said to him, I'll, I'll be here Tuesday to help you. And he looked at me, and I'm thankful for um, a connections pastor that listens to the Lord. He said, no. He said, you go and get your study day. I said, no, man, I'll help you. I promise. I, I'll just push that off till Wednesday. And he said, no, go get your study day. And I said, are you sure? And he said, yeah. And so... We're in this Blessed Life series, You, those of you that attend on a regular basis, on July the 5th last year, I preached a message called Excessive Celebration, uh, talking about the fact that the slaves that were in Texas didn't find out they were free until two years after the fact that they'd been set free. And so, in the African American culture, we celebrate, we, because um, I'm your family, bro. I'm celebrating with you. I told y'all, I'm white chocolate, man. Uh... uh Check my playlist on my phone and see uh, uh, Juneteenth, which is June the 19th, and it's when they found out that they were free. And I talked about the fact that often in our body and in the body, we celebrate freedom never stopping to recognize that the people that we're sitting next to are not experiencing the same level of freedom that we have. And so I listed five principalities that I felt like that we had to combat if we were all going to experience the same level of freedom. And so we began that. We began, when I got back off my sabbatical, we began in August uh, or in September combating the first principality, which is isolation. And we spent three months hammering away at the fact that you are intended to live life together. You cannot live life alone. The second principality that I we began to deal with after that was um, the spirit of poverty, and we did a series called Broke. We are now in this Blessed Life series. It's a video series to uh, to break the spirit of poverty off of our life. Um, the third principality that we're going to address is hopelessness, and so when Pastor Woody looked at me and said, go get your study day, I began to work. Um, I'd, already, I'd already showed him before I left. I showed him where I was headed uh, in that series uh, and you'll find out here in about a month but we're going to look at uh, occasions in scripture where people experienced hopeless moments that's where we were headed and so I showed him that and I went to my study day on Tuesday and sat down and this doesn't happen to me very often but the message that I put together really didn't deal with any of those It was totally different, and I put it all together and went home. I think I even told Pastor Woody, I said, this is kind of odd. This isn't where I was going. This is totally different, and then we get the call uh, on Wednesday evening about what was going on, and we go to the hospital, and and, uh, I think you'll see that this fits. Uh, What I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to kick that series off, and then we're going to delay it. Uh, four, five weeks, okay? So you're going to have to have good memories. In other words, I'm asking you to remember what I preached. Uh, <clears throat> okay? Uh, for better or worse, our children reflect us. There was, that, was wor- that was good right there. For better or for worse, our children reflect us. The traits and the attributes that we have as a father or a mother are transferred to our offspring. There are days I love that truth. There are other moments I don't like it much. Uh, It drives me crazy. Uh, So we come to expect that as as parents. And so um, it is from that vantage point that we also recognize that as children of our Father, we are to reflect His attributes. Correct? So, so we expect our children, at least I do, I expect my children to reflect who I am. And so I know our, our Heavenly Father expects us to reveal in our actions, in our life, in our attitudes who He is. Well, in, in Romans chapter 15, Paul gives us a glimpse of one of the characteristics that we should have ingrained in us as our father's children. Listen carefully, he says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that, now here it is, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Spirit. Paul brings it to this point where he says that God is so God that he is God is so God, so the God of hope that we should actually not just have hope, we should overflow with hope. That means that we should have so much hope in us that it's not just for us. It actually flows out of us and rubs off on the people around us. That's the reflection of who he is. As children of God, we should have hope. Let me just stop right here and ask you this question. What is your life overflowing with? What's coming out of you? Um, David, of all the characters in Scripture, uh, played out on the stage of his life. He understood the concept of hopelessness. I don't have time. Uh, Let me just give you some highlights. Uh, His daddy overlooked him. The king overlooks him. He marries the king's daughter, and his father-in-law throws a spear at him. That's pretty bad. Uh, His son rapes his daughter. Another son kills the son that rapes the daughter. That son thinks he can do a better job of being king than, than David and tries to overthrow him. He gets caught in adultery. His baby dies. That's a pretty good landscape from which to find yourself in a hopeless situation. But I want you to see what happens. The psalmist, close to finding himself in a condition of hopelessness, makes this statement. Psalms chapter 27, verses 13 and 14. Please listen carefully. I would have lost heart. Another translation says fainted. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. This passage gives us three truths that I want to share with you this morning that I think are so appropriate in this season that we find ourselves in. I want us to hear these. I want us to embrace these. I want us to understand these. I want you to understand that hopelessness stems from a heart condition. I want you to understand that when we lose our heart, we lose hope. That is why we are told to intentionally guard our hearts. You've got to set a guard up on your heart because if you ever lose heart, You will lose hope. The enemy will try to attack your life and your heart to cause you to give in and to give up. The attacks, and I've discovered this, and I'm continuing to discover this. The attacks are layered. Anybody understand? We call it the three at our house. I'm a little nervous right now. we've, We've recognized that when something terrible happens, they always seem to come in threes. I don't understand that. I can't comprehend that. I'm praying against that. But I recognize that what that is, it is a designed scheme. The enemy always layers the attacks. And his end game is he's trying to get you to quit. He's trying to get you to give up. He's trying to get you to give in. And here is why. That's not even really the end game. The end game is as if he can ever get you to give in and give up. What literally takes place is when you give up, you think you're in the worst place, but there is another level of worst. And that is, is that when you give up, then you graduate to the final level, which is this you lose heart. And when you lose heart, then he takes you to the depths of the depths of the depths of the bottom, which is this you become hopeless. Hopelessness stems from losing our heart. And so we must not lose our heart. Too many of us have lost our heart. And so we no longer show up for the fight because we don't have the heart for it. We no longer march to the battle lines because we don't have the heart to fight any longer. We sit on the couch in sorrow, and the lack of change, and the lack of resolution, and the lack of improvement, and the lack of difference, and the lack of healing, and the lack of explanation causes us, if we are not careful, our heart becomes so full of despair, and disillusionment, and discouragement, that we actually lose our heart, and so we lose our hope. We have no hope. We got to guard our heart. It's a heart attack. That's what the enemy literally does. He attacks our heart to try to kill our hope. But but I want you to go back what the the psalmist said. He said, "I, I would have lost heart. But he comes back and he makes this statement. He says, Unless I had believed that I would have that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What he's teaching us is this, very simple, belief produces hope. I could say that in a negative way if I wanted to. It's this, hopelessness stems from lack of belief. The psalmist tells us that hopelessness was staved off by his belief that God was still able to fulfill his word while he was still alive. He finds strength to hold on to because he believed that he would see God live up to himself. He he is literally saying, God, I would have lost heart. I would have given up. I would have thrown in the towel. I would have kicked the can. I would have kicked you to the curb. But I recognize that I can hold on to what you say, and you will live up to what you say about yourself. You've promised me this, goodness. And you'll live up to who you are. Hopelessness roots itself in the lack of belief. As long as we continue to believe, and as long as we take him at his word, we remain filled with hope. We lose hope when we lose belief. The wise man addresses this in Proverbs chapter 23. Listen to what Solomon says about this in Proverbs chapter 23, beginning of verse 17. He makes this statement. He says, do not let your heart the sinners. But always be zealous for, for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. He is literally saying, and he recognized that what would take place is we would see sinners being successful. And we would see sinners seemingly unscathed. And we would watch as sinners walk away from stuff that destroys us. And it would cause us, if we're not careful, to go, I don't know if I can handle this. And this doesn't seem to make any sense. And God, I see people that don't know you being living life unscathed, untouched, unbroken. And I don't like this. And the psalmist says, listen, hang on just a second. You need to understand. Don't envy them because you have a hope. You have a future hope. There is a future for you. If you will continue to believe the word of God and hang on, your hope will not be cut off. We must believe. If I just looked at what I'm going through right now, then I would lose heart. That's what the psalmist is saying. I can say the same thing to you this morning. If I just looked at what we're going through right now, I would lose heart. If I can learn to believe even when what I see doesn't substantiate what I see. I don't think you got that. If I can come to the place where even when what I see doesn't substantiate what I see, then what I see will not affect or cause me to no longer believe what I see. Are you with me this morning? We've got to come to this place with where, where we look around us with our natural eyes. And what we see devastates us. But in our heart we know I can believe you. I can take you at your word. I can hang on. Because belief produces May I say to you this morning that if you've lost hope, that there's only one remedy for you. You will never be able to deaden the pain of hopelessness with drink. You will never be able to make enough money to bring hope back. You will never become famous enough and applauded enough and approved enough. You will never have enough relationships to bring hope back. There is only one remedy for hopelessness, and it is belief. This morning I want to say to you that if you have no hope that marriage can be restored, then you've got to come back to the place where you believe that God can make all things new. I want to say to you this morning that if you have no hope left for healing, then you must renew belief that by His stripes we are healed. If you have no hope for financial freedom, then you must reestablish God as Jehovah-Jireh, our provider, and believe that again. If you have no hope for change left, then you've got to come back to this place where you believe that the God that never changes can still produce and create change in us... And And in our circumstances. Do you believe? Your hope is at stake. Your belief determines your hope. Do you believe? The third thing the psalmist declares to us is this. God can not only protect our heart. He can strengthen it. Now herein lies the dilemma. (laughs) I don't like this part of this. I love when he talks about. I would have lost heart. I can relate. I love when he says, if, if I, I would have lost heart, but, but because I believe. But now, he says, he will protect and strengthen our heart. You know how? Waiting. We know God can do what he says he can do, but he, we don't like the way he accomplishes it. He does it by teaching us to wait. Most of us all want an instant, suddenly answer and an encounter, a suddenly encounter with God that will change everything, that will strengthen our heart. But, but the psalmist teaches us that strength comes in waiting. Waiting stretches us. Waiting can make you weary and it, and, and it can cause you to give up. But, but the psalmist is trying to teach us that waiting it is the means by which our heart is conditioned. How do you grow stronger physically? You lift weights. And the psalmist is trying to teach us about weight training. Come on now. Those that wait, not those who get nervous, not those who get in a hurry not those who take control, not those that force their own way, those that wait, not on their own way, not on their bank, not on a person, not on a circumstance, not on a, a better day, those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. It is by waiting on Him, waiting. We get to choose. Waiting can either make you weary or it can make you a warrior. Waiting. Hurry up and wait. So, Paul comes back in and he speaks. And I'm going to read this passage to you twice, once now and once later in a different version. But I want you to catch what he's saying. He is literally revealing to us the power of waiting and the power of hope. That you, as you wait, hope is renewed. As you wait, hope is not supposed to diminish. It's supposed to increase. Listen to what he says in Romans chapter 8, verse 24 and 25. For we are saved by hope. I thought I was saved by the blood. Well, you are. But after you're saved by the blood, you're saved by hope. That God can do what he says he can do. We are saved by hope. But hope that is not seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for what we see not, the contradiction of what I see to what I see, but if we hope for that we see not, then do with it. We with patience wait for it. He understands the dilemma that we're in. That everything that we're watching around us doesn't line up with what we've seen. And he's saying, just wait. Just hang on and wait. Because if you will wait, what you see will overtake what you see if you will wait. Let me make this statement to you. If you've missed everything else I've said, if you've missed everything else I've said, please catch this. And I'm going to read it because I want you to hear this the way it's supposed to be said. We have to be willing to walk through seasons of inconsistency because we know that God's goodness is never inconsistent. I think I'm going to say that again. We have to be willing to walk through seasons of inconsistency because we know that God's goodness is never inconsistent. That's, that, that's why we have to come to this place that Job came to when he made this statement. This is our statement, Tar. We talked about this. Though he slay me. And here's the key word of the whole passage. Yet. Though he slay me. Yet will I trust him. Another version says it like this. I I, I stumbled across this version, and I've been quoting it since Thursday. Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. We got to get to the yet. The yet. And so before I ever talk, and we'll do this in five weeks, before I ever talk to you about the situations or the circumstances that lead to an attack, and they they crush our heart and they cause us to feel hopeless, we must first address our belief. If we don't believe, then there's no way to overcome and defeat helplessness. So this morning, before I attack the attacks, can I just try to attack the unbelief just for a few moments? May I reestablish and refresh and may I stir up and may I uncover your belief. I know it's in you. I know it's down there. Some of you have suppressed it. Some of you have experienced such heartache and tragedies that it has caused your belief to become dormant and now cynicism has taken over and doubt has taken over and bitterness has taken over and pain has pushed your belief down and you don't even know if you still believe what you used to believe. My my responsibility, my task this morning is in the midst of tragedy and in the midst of pain, I got to stir up some belief in you so that you, like the psalmist, say, I would have lost heart. I would have kicked it in and given it up, but, but 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 I believed, I believed, and the only way I know to do that is to remind you what we believe. I believe first chronicles chapter 16 verse 34 which says give thanks to the lord for he is good his love endureth forever i believe it psalm 13 verse 5 through 6 but i trust in your unfailing love my heart rejoices in your salvation i will sing the lord's praise for he has been good to me Psalm 23:6. surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever Psalm 35 for his anger is but for a moment his favor is for life here it is somebody that's Pentecostal ought to get this weeping in may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning another way he gets angry once in a while but across a lifetime there is only love the nights of crying your eyes out give way to days of laughter Psalms 34 verse 4 through 8 I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears those who look to him are radiant their faces are never covered with shame this poor man called and the Lord heard him he saved him out of all of his trouble the prayer that God always responds to is help i need some help i need some help the angel of the lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them taste and see that the lord is good blessed is the one who takes refuge from in him psalms chapter 34 verse 18 God is close to those that are brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. Psalm chapter 73 verse 1 through 5. No doubt about it. God is good. Good to the good people. Good to the good hearted. But I nearly missed it. Missing his goodness. I was looking the other way. Looking up to the people at the top. Envy in the wicked who I have made. Uh, who have made nothing to worry about. Not a care in the whole wide world. Psalm 100 verse 5. For the Lord is good and is love endures foreverness. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Psalm 106.1 Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Hallelujah. Thank God. And why? Because he's good. Because his love lasts. Psalms 107, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 118, 6-8, and verse 14. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in human. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon. Formed against me shall prosper and every tongue which rises against me in judgment shall be condemned. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord but no weapon that can hurt you has been forged. Any accuser hurt who takes you to court will be dismissed as a liar. That is what God's servants can expect. I'll see to it that everything will work for the best. Psalms chapter Romans chapter 8 verse 24 through 28 different version that is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother we are enlarged in the waiting we of course don't see what is enlarging us but the longer we wait the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy meanwhile the moment we get tired in waiting God's spirit is right alongside helping us if we don't know how or what to pray doesn't matter he does our praying in and for us making prayer out of our worthless sighs our aching groans he knows us far better than we know ourselves he knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God that's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good y'all don't know it that way you know it like this God works everything together for our good the good, the bad, the ugly, the expected, the unexpected, the preferred, the unpreferred, the planned for, the unplanned for. He works it all together for our good. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 and 18. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light, this is just light, Tori, I know it feels heavy right now. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Why take time to read those kinds of passages this morning? I just want to rekindle and refresh and stir up your belief. You cannot have hope unless you know that God is good. You should have hope because he cares for you. You should have hope because he hasn't forgotten you. You should have hope because he's on duty. You should have hope because you're a favorite. You should have hope because his love endures forever. You should have hope because the Lord is with you. You should have hope because he is your helper. You can have hope because he's working everything together for our good. What we're going through now is only preparing a greater level of glory. 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 So what am I saying? Believe again. What am I saying? Believe more. What am I saying? Believe through the weight. The what am I saying? Believe through the hard season. need you to help me this morning I need somebody that's struggling just a little bit to still believe to look up a God. say God I believe but help my unbelief because I know if I don't have belief I got no hope and so what I need you to do this morning God is to renew renew reestablish my belief in you can some would you just say that with me Lord, I believe. Help. Oh, we got to do that again. Lord, I believe. Help. One more time. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I lift my to believe again. Come on, believe again.
2: One more time, one more
1: time, let me uncover you!
2: live again.
1: to me this morning, I recognize that what you may be going through compared, but we don't compare. Paul talks about that too. We don't compare. I, I've discovered something. You know what the difference is between minor and major is? Whether it's happening to you or not. That's why a doctor can walk into a room on March the 15th and look at me and say, well, it's just a minor heart attack. Yeah, buddy, it wasn't your heart. It was mine. This is major, Joker. This is a major deal. I'm the one getting cut. I'm the one getting stuck. This is major. So what you're going through, if you compared it to what Tari and his family are going through, may not seem major. but, But what you're going through is happening to you that makes it stinking major but here's good news it doesn't just make it major to you (laughs) it makes it major to him because he cares for you And so this morning if you're here and you say Steve I'm about to lose heart what I've been going through The lack of resources, the lack of healing, the lack of change, the lack of direction. I've wanted to quit. I've wanted to say that that's enough. I can't take any more. I'm about to faint. If that's you, quickly, I want you to step out and come to the front. We're going to pray over you because I believe that what the Lord is going to do this morning is He's going to allow our faith to rise. And as our brothers and our sisters gather around us, their faith is going to rub off. Come on, anybody else? Anybody else who would say, I, I've been struggling to have any hope? I'm, about, I'm just about hopeless. Come on up here, Nikki. Come on up here. Come on, Steph. Come on, anybody else? Just fill in right in here. Fill feel in, feeling. in, fill feel in. I, I, I wanted to give up. Ever been there? Ever been where you didn't know how you were going to make it one more day? Ever felt like everybody forsaken you? Even the one that said he would never forsake you? This preacher's been there. On the way home Thursday morning at 3 a.m., I caught myself ready to faint. And Tari, I hit the intersection of I-40 that goes to the north. Was that 44? I don't know, my road's 44. I just know how to get there. And I took that spur right there to go to 44. And then I hadn't talked to Tari yet about this. I began to quote out loud in my car. Though he slay me. (laughs) Yet. And I would stop at the yet every time and go... (laughs) The first part doesn't look so good. But if I can get past the yet, then I can trust Him. And I want you to hear me this morning, y'all that came down. You may be in the first part. You may feel like God is slaying you. But, Steve, that's not theologically correct because the, God only has good plans for us, but He is soft. So if it's happening, that must mean one thing. He's allowing it. Y'all, y'all miss that. So I have to come to this place if he's allowing it. Where I believe I can trust him. Because if he's allowing it, it must be for my good. I don't like it. What pairing does that have on it? I don't like shots. I don't like stents. I definitely don't like the three tablespoons of Metamucil I have to take every day now. some folks that have learned that they can trust that have listen, walked through the valley of death you didn't stop and camp out you moved right on through I, I, I need you to step out right now and come and get around these, our brothers and our sisters these are family these are family, y'all. This is family. This is family. This is family. Santa, I, I was about, I was about to give it, give it up. I was about to quit. I wasn't sure I could believe anymore. I didn't know if I could hold on it. I'm ready to just, just throw my hands up and say it's over. It's, it's got to be over, doesn't it? Doesn't it have to be over? me pray Father this morning I'm praying that somehow some way you would go down deep into our soul beyond our hurt and beyond our disappointment things have not gone like we thought they were supposed to go I didn't script it this way I didn't plan it this way I would have never chosen this path. Yet. God, I'm praying for a divine yet to come up within the heart of each of these people right now in the name of Jesus. And I pray that yet would rise up. They were about to give him the towel. Yet they realized they don't have to give up because they can take him at his word. Yet, come on, let a yet rise up in your soul. Let a yet rise up in you. Let a yet come up in you. Though you slay me, yet will I trust you. Yet will I place my hope in you. God, I'm praying in this moment, even for each person that came down, Even if they're at the place where they've struggled with what to believe anymore. I pray that in the place of their unbelief, you would produce belief because it is belief that produces hope. Let hope arise. Let hope arise. Let hope rise up in you right now. Each of you, let hope come alive. To do. this is how we're going to end this right here. <laughs> Sometimes we, we're too wimpy, all right. Sometimes we're just too wimpy, and we do stuff like this. Well, let hope arise, bro. No, 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 no. Come here, Woody. You're the only one I know I can do this to and not get hit back, all right. I, I need you to do this now. Come on, now use some wisdom. I, I need you to rear back. No, I'm sorry. I, I just want you to f- find somebody. prophetically you're knocking the hopelessness out of them Oh, how are we gonna do that you can find somebody I don't want you to oh, let hope arise I want you to get a little bit more force for that sake let hope let hope arise don't don't do it like this let hope look I'm dead scoring out let hope there you can have hope let hope it's let hope rise up in you come on would you do that prophetically right now slap somebody on the back on the shoulder don't hurt them come on tell them tell them tell them tell them tell them you! Can you do this with me? On the count of three, on the count of three, on the count of three, would you just yell at the top of your lungs? I, come on now. <clears throat> we loud sometimes. It's all right. It's one of those times you can be loud. I want you to shout yet. <laughs> I want you to yell yet so loud that you, that you scared the devil and the people living around us. All right. Those are some freaky people over there. They're yelling stuff like, "yet." Yeah, I don't understand. All right. You don't know yet, but you will. All right. On the count of three. One, two, three. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Father, we make the conscious decision and choice that in spite of what we see, We operate on what we see. That's why the yet is alive in our life. Because we know we can trust you. We thank you today for your goodness and your mercy that endures forever. We're thankful this morning. I'm going to transition real quick. John, I know you've been playing, but would you come here, Kristen? Come here. Where are you at? She's hiding. She always hiding. She's mad right now. She don't like this stuff right here. She just joined Facebook last week. Y'all, all, all, every person in the whole room, even if you never met her, would you please go request friendship today, today, blow it up, yeah. John and Kristen are getting ready to move to San Antonio. I'm not happy about it. Uh, Yeah, I know. They don't even have a good basketball team or nothing there. (laughs) And so I'm depressed for them, but we are going to genuinely, genuinely miss them. They're moving back for family, and, and um, they will leave a gap. These are good folks. Good folks. And uh, they mean a lot to this body and family. So would you do me a favor? Would you just stretch out your hand toward them? I'm going to pray over them a prayer blessing. We're just going to ask God to make a path for them. Father, in Jesus' name. I pray over John and Kristen this morning. God, we know this. You brought them together here. You positioned them together. And we believe in the name of Jesus right now that you are ordering their steps. And God, I pray over them that their path, the path that you're leading them would be made straight. That there wouldn't be any hiccups, no hangups, no problems. Father, they would walk under the anointing and the favor that you have for them. I pray that their destiny that is out there bright ahead of them, I pray that you would walk them right into it past all obstacles, we pray. I pray that they would find that these are the greatest days of their life. I pray you would surround them with family. I pray that you would take them to the right church. That Father, they would find a a family there that would embrace them and love them and watch over them and guard them. And God, we will keep the light on here for them. We will continue to love on them and to embrace them and to watch for them from a distance. But we just pray that you would use them to impact their new relationships as strongly and significantly as they've impacted these relationships here. And we will praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all can be seated for a moment. Pastor Andrew's coming. Uh, we're switching gears a little bit. Um, Pastor Andrew's going to close us out. And then before you go, Pastor Danny has worked a long time putting a video together of some memories. Because what I told Tari was uh, there's a lot of pictures in this of, of, of them together with family. But... many pictures you go through 500 at least Um, and what we discovered is that Amy uh, was family there's so many pictures of us and uh, so he's going to share something so glad grab go ahead do it now I promise you I brought a rag I should have warned you grab a Kleenex and we're going to watch it Um, and you're going to feel like mourning That's part of the grieving process. That's part of the healing process. I understand that. But I also want you to understand that we're not not mourning this morning. We're celebrating this morning that we know where she's at. And yet, I don't understand all this yet. One day I'm going to understand this. I do not understand this, but I do understand this. I can trust Him. Amen.
3: Amen. Well, right now, I just want to give you guys time to prepare your morning tithe and offering and make an announcement that if you would like to uh, donate money and give money to uh, Tari and for the uh, service expenses and everything, you can just mark Watkins on the envelope, and it will go to them. And there's also a GoFundMe. Um, If you have Facebook, you might have seen it on Facebook. I posted it on my Facebook page. You can go to GoFundMe.com and type in Amy's Memorial uh, Fund, and you can give to that also. Uh, and it will be greatly appreciated. And um, for our first-time visitors, if you would open up your bulletin, If you didn't catch that, we are going to give an offering at a later date to know exactly what we need so we can step up as a body, as a family, and meet the need. And if you're here your first time, I almost came up here. A lot of times whenever we have special services or churches have special services, a lot of times they it's almost like they come up and they apologize because it's different format than what it normally is. And I, and I was like, man, why do, why do we apologize? Because if this was just a service you know, it's, it, it, it wouldn't be as impactful. You can go down the street, you can go to the doctor's office, a clinic, you can call a phone number and get a service. We're more than a service. We're, we're offering more than just a service. We're offering a family. We're offering a family. And, and, and I thank God every day for Pastor Steve that he follows the leading of the Holy Spirit and he runs this family to where we can stand there and be with our brothers and sisters to be with you guys. So if you're a first time visitor, Inside this, you can fill out this uh, communication card, and you can give it to Pastor Stephen. He has a gift for you if you're if you're if you're second time here today. Also, go see Pastor Steve. He has another gift, and I'm sure you won't want to miss out on that. And we want to thank you. So, uh, our ushers, you can go ahead and pass the buckets. I Meant to say that earlier, but I got, you know. Amen. Amen. And in the book, bu- in the bulletin, there's a whole lot of. It's a whole lot. Of, make sure you take the time to look at these bulletins. There's a lot of announcements and everything for you guys, and just to stay up to date with what's going on. Because we can we can't come up here and say everything, can't come up here and cover all the details. You guys will hate us for it. So just go and check it out and look at the, all the announcements inside the bulletins. You you so you can stay up to date and informed with what's going on here inside our family. Amen. Amen. And tonight, I want to make one announcement. We are having a service tonight at six here, six tonight for the. Uh, it's a viewing for the family. If you're not able to be at the service on Tuesday, then you can come tonight at six. You'll be here. Um, come and go, uh, and just show your love. And just want to make that open to you guys. Amen. I want to pray for you guys, and then you guys can stay seated. We'll show the video. God, I thank you. I thank you for this family. I thank you for your your sovereignness. I thank you for your peace, God. Lord, I thank you that in the midst of the storm, we can be still and know that you are God. I just thank you as we go today that you travel with us, that you come with us and you give us strength and boldness. You give us us power and blessing and favor in everything that we do. Lord, I thank you that you remind us that hope is in you and that you are in us. So we always have hope, no matter what. In the name of Jesus, amen.